So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me was Spanish. And I was kind of relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it really is designed for long-term retention. Also speech recognition. So they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient. There are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's a lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. Okay, so we recorded this episode on Thursday and it's now Friday morning and we just finished listening to the final round of edits. But as we were listening back, we realized there's a few things that we feel are kind of important that we forgot to mention, which by the way, Julie, I think this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. I am so in love with the fact that we recorded maybe one of the longest episodes we've ever done and we still had to come on now because there was more left to say. It just feels important because you'll see throughout the episode, we're theorizing about various timelines and you'll hear us talk about how Kim SNL was October 9th and Courtney and Travis's engagement was October 17th. But at the end, when we're talking about Kim and Chloe on the hike, we're just hypothesizing about where Kim is at in her relationship with Pete at this point. Are they texting? What's the deal? A key element we didn't mention is that those photos of them on the roller coaster when they were holding hands at Not Scary Farm, that was October 30th. So you guys remember that collective freak out we all had because that was the first time we really saw them together in this way. So that was about three weeks after SNL and let's say roughly a week or so after the engagement. Right. And what's interesting is that we talk about also when we're going through this timeline at the end that the scenes for next week show Kim getting ready for Simon and Phil's rehearsal dinner. And the wedding was November 13th. So we're jumping in a timeline here from this episode that we're watching this week to next week about like a full month. And that's a lot of Pete and Kim in between that time. So I wonder if next week deals with that. Or if we're going to see that in its own completely separate episode. 
Right. So that's the question that we don't have an answer to, but I know other people will be curious about as well. And then second of all, you'll hear when we're talking about the scene of them at Courtney and Travis's engagement, when all the sisters are sitting in the back room, we mentioned how in the preview, there was that line where Chloe said, why do we keep making excuses for the people that traumatize us? And it wasn't in the episode. So we were really curious about that. And we saw someone tweeted it and Courtney responded and said, oh, they cut it. I wanted it too. And Chloe responded and said, oh my God, why? LOL. It was good what I said. I said what I said. So you'll hear, we kind of are confused about that because that line was used so much in the previews and then we never got it. Although based on the conversation, it seems like they were talking about Scott. So just another thing for us all to think about. And then I guess the last thing was just the meme, right? Yeah, we forgot to say that. Right, just hearing Kim reference the viral meme from the Only One music video, which we all knew where that came from. It wasn't like we were finding the origin of that meme, but I just think there's always something kind of meta about hearing them acknowledge these moments in their lives that then turned into, you know, cultural moments, either in the form of a meme or a gif or whatever it is. Yeah, it's so funny because I feel like a lot of the times when we talk about those moments, we almost... I don't know if it's that we don't acknowledge, but I never think about Kim and the family being aware of how viral their own memes are. So when they have that moment of like really connecting the dots and not only do they acknowledge it, but they also love it in the way we do, it just feels very meta. You're right. Yeah. So anyway, those were just the few moments that we realized we didn't mention and wanted to add in. I don't know. I liked this episode. I think I'm still processing how I feel about all of it and the Scott portion. You really are hearing us process it in real time because what happens is the episodes go up at midnight. We wake up at 7.30 on Thursday morning, watch it. Julie does the outline and we start recording at like 10.30, but it's a, a whole day process and we couldn't get it up by six yesterday. So is there anything else you want to add or should we leave them with the episode? No, let's leave them with the episode. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our episode four recap. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I can tell you are still reeling from that. Julie texted me in the middle and she was like, I don't care. I think this deserves a fucking Emmy. I stand by that. I think that was genuinely one of the best episodes of television I've ever watched. And mind you, I've watched a lot of TV. Do you think that objectively speaking, it was the best of the Thor that have come out so far? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think so too. I mean, when I think about last week with the suitcase, that was riveting from start to finish. And this, I guess, was a little bit more calm, but we got so much information here. Oh, I mean, the information was incomparable to anything that we've gotten thus far. And that's not to say that we haven't gotten information so far. I think our review after every single episode has been like, That was exactly what I wanted. I got everything I needed, all those little details. I just felt like this episode was different. Like this episode gave us everything we could have ever asked for. And on top of that, it was just this incredibly emotional thing to watch Courtney get engaged in this big, huge moment of their lives happen. So that being the backdrop to all of this, I mean, one hell of an episode. One hell of an episode. I mean, I think what it was was just the rawness of it all. You know, the FaceTime between P and Courtney, that can't be scripted. I mean, she was experiencing that in as real time as we were. And Chloe and Kim on a hike just talking. Like, I could have watched an entire episode of just that. Well, that's what I wanted to say to them for all 20 seasons of Keeping Up. We don't need you to do these elaborate pranks. Literally just go for a walk and we're happy to just be witness to that and hear the conversation that arises. Right. Like, and I think that's kind of the conclusion we've all come to is like what we care about so much is just the information. And that's what we were always saying that we were missing when they were in the off season. Like 
Obviously, we know everything that happened to them because it becomes news. What we need is the backstory of what was happening while those news stories are breaking, what led to those things. And we're finally really, really getting that in a way that I don't think we ever did before. And I think that so much of what they thought they had to do was, you know, throw in these little plot points and these pranks and whatever. And like their lives are the entertainment. Like all of these conversations that are happening and taking place, it's not like they're just talking in a room. They're talking in a dressing room while Kim is hosting SNL. That's the plot. I know the backdrop is so impressive. And I think what happens is because they've become kind of numb to it, they thought they had to over deliver. And I think finally they're starting to realize, just give us the conversations and let those exist in the backdrops. And we're thrilled. Exactly. Okay, so the way that we organized this episode, a little different than the last few weeks, because obviously the only plot here really was all things Courtney and Travis. So we have it kind of scene by scene, but we're not going to recap. We're just going to discuss. But the scene by scene breakdown will help keep us slightly organized. Okay, are you ready? I was literally born ready. I know, born. Okay, so we pick back up with Chris, Kim, and Corey in the car. And just one thing I want to mention from this is when Kim asks about the kids, and based on Chris's response, you can tell that she was kind of the one that made that final call, which again, we get into that later on, but interesting to have that acknowledgement just from the beginning. Totally. And I don't want to get into it now because there is a lot to say there and discuss with that, but it was a hard call to make. Oh, totally. I mean, that's a whole other discussion. We'll get into that in a few scenes. But when they're actually at the hotel and they're sitting there with Simon and Phil, this is prime example of what we were just saying, that technically the engagement hadn't even happened. They were really just killing time here. But even in these interactions, you're getting such interesting moments from Kim. You know, like to hear the way that she's processing this for her own life, even clearly the focus is on Courtney. Naturally, it's getting her thinking and she's expressing that. Right. And for her to say, hopefully I'll get married one more time. Like I still believe in love. Like even just the fact that that's something that she's open to is a huge piece of information to get from her because I wouldn't have been surprised if she was like, oh, I'm done with marriage. It's interesting because I think that if you asked me, I would say after her divorce with Kanye, eventually she will decide to get married again. I think that that would always be the end game. But yes, I think that given the fact she was still in the midst of a divorce, I totally could have seen her in that moment. Even if the end game changed, I could see her in that moment saying, fuck it. Can I ask you one off topic question? I swear we won't get into a full conversation about it. Yeah, obviously. Not do you think, do you think that she thinks Pete could be the person she's going to marry? I mean, I don't know, Julie, because it's so hard to separate what I think from what I think she thinks. But in that interview, when she said, you know, I'm a relationship girl and I wouldn't be putting time into something that I didn't think had a real potential. And you know something? Let's remove that argument for a second about putting time into something. Let's look at it from a far more superficial and almost narcissistic angle, which is more so in terms of her as a celebrity. And so let's take the Met Gala, for example. She is making this debut in a historic $5 million Marilyn Monroe dress shutting out the Met Gala. You know what this means for Kim, right? It's a big deal. And the fact that she wants Pete to be there cemented for life next to her in that moment, to me, that's a stronger argument than anything else. Like the fact that she deems this relationship worthy enough that this is the person standing next to her. I I know it's kind of a twisted way to think about it, but I don't know. That's what makes me think, holy shit. No, I I think you're so right. The cemented for life in that moment thing is like, 
you're so, so right about that. And that's actually what my thought process was as well. I can't say for sure that she thinks she's going to marry him. I definitely can't say for sure that I think that. I like would not go there yet. But that point about like she made history that night and the person she wanted right there next to her was Pete. I mean, that's huge because she could have easily said, you know, let's walk the red carpet. We'll make our red carpet debut at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I want to do the Met Gala solo because this is really my moment. And that would have been fine. No one would have questioned, is anything wrong in their relationship? We saw them the night before. He would have been at the Met Gala still. They would have had their moment inside, but she could have had that red carpet moment. And so for her to say, no, I want him right by my side during that memorialized. Yeah, that was big. See, a counter argument to that, which I could see someone making is, no, it's not about that. It's about the fact that Kim wants the most publicity from any moment that she could possibly have. And yes, she would have gotten a lot from wearing the Marilyn dress. And she maybe would have been the most talked about of the evening regardless, but she knew what the buzz would come from her being there with Pete. And it's not that that's false. I mean, that's factually correct. But I don't think that Kim puts the slight bump in publicity she would have gotten from walking it solo with Pete above like what this moment meant to her and how she wanted that to be memorialized. So I don't know. I mean, that's a really, really big deal for me. It's almost like the normal person's equivalent of taking someone to your sibling's wedding or something like that. I was going to say that. Right? I was going to say sibling's wedding. Yes. The way that I feel about this is like, I think that when we view Pete, obviously because he's a comedian and because he's on SNL and he really is just like a jokester at heart, like every piece of footage that we saw from them together, whether it was the Ripley's video, whether it was them on the red carpet, was him making some sort of a joke. So I think because of his personality, we inherently take him and their relationship maybe a little less seriously than if it was somebody else. But I feel like at the very least... Kim wanting Pete to be there for that moment. Yes, of course, there's the publicity aspect. Yes, there's, of course, like she must really love him or whatever stage of their relationship that they're at that equals love. Like that's how she must feel about him. But on top of that, she takes him seriously enough to know that she won't look back at those photos and be like, LOL, remember when I had this moment and Pete Davidson was there? Like, that's not how she's going to look back on this moment. No matter what happens, it will still be so important to her that that was the person that made that red carpet appearance with her. Yes, and, and this is the last thing I want to say on this because I really do want to get to Courtney and Travis. That's like the moment here. I think the point that can't be lost in all of this is whoever this person was going to be that she was going to be with in the height of the stuff happening with Kanye and then the divorce being finalized and really just beginning this next era, that is we've always said this like so intimate, you know, that is so clearly the person that she needs to derive so much safety from. And so no matter what ends up happening, I think she'll always treasure this time with him because like, I would say she would cite this as one of the things that got her through it. Not again, not that she couldn't have gotten through it herself. It's a very strong woman, but I think it feels good for her to have that person. It's like when you look in a crowded room and that's your point of safety, that's your point of being grounded that for right now, for this time in her life, that's him. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, so we're sitting at Miramar. We're all getting ready. We're getting the text from Mindy Weiss, which by the way, when Chris's phone was going off, I felt like Mindy was texting us personally, like us as a collective whole, you know? The in-time aspects of this made it amazing. Just from the sheer point of them sitting outside to everyone coming in, like one by one, couple by couple, and then the Mindy text, the coming inside, shutting the blinds, like 
all of that happening and making it really feel like it was in real time was such a special angle to that. It really was because you could feel, you know, their anxiety. And also, no matter who you are, you could have all of the wealth, all of the extravagance in the world. That is a very universal feeling of being concerned about fucking up an engagement. And obviously in their scenario, it was significantly less likely that that was going to happen because they had everything put into place. But no matter what, that's a feeling. I don't care how rich you are, how famous you are. You're always a little bit anxious around the idea of an engagement. It's a huge secret that you want to pull off. So yeah, you were sensing that from them, which was also exciting because you don't normally see that. Can I just say, let Chris host SNL, you cowards. Right? How good would she be? Is she the funniest person ever? She fucking cracks me up when she's sitting there and fully talking to Landon in Alabama as if they were everybody's siblings and then having the realization that it's actually their nieces and nephews. And she's like, how many grandkids do I have? And they're like, 4,000. And she's like, and Chloe's like, you know, the best thing about your new grandmother, she's a really good gift giver. And and Chloe's like, you know, he did just turn 18. And Chris is like, do I have to get you a car? Like, stop. It's too good. She's so good. Also, this was an important moment when they're just having the conversation. This is before the kids get there. But Kim says, I know this shouldn't be our focus tonight, but Scott's going to lose his fucking mind. And Simon is saying that for years and years, Scott was still coming to all the events, but Courtney never had a serious enough boyfriend that had gotten in the way of it. But now with the husband, that changes everything. And the only reason I highlight this line, which obviously will come up later on, is because I kind of think they're talking about two separate things here. Like when Kim said Scott's going to fucking lose it, I think she was talking about the romantic aspect of it. Like he knew they weren't getting back together, but this really cements it. And then Simon's point was more about the familial aspect of it all and how that kind of factors in. And we see that later on be the conversation, specifically when he's talking to Chloe. And this is the conversation you and I were having on our own before we even started recording when we were doing like a little bit of a a check-in with each other, where I was saying, I feel like everyone's so focused on the Courtney of it. And Scott is just continuously saying the family, the family, the family, the family aspect. And everyone's kind of pushing that. So for, even though that wasn't what Kim was saying, for for Simon to be the one to acknowledge that point, I felt, I felt really seen in that moment. No, I did as well. But by that same token, and I don't want to get into this now, we'll get into it in a few minutes when we get to that scene. You know, when they're all having this powwow and Kim's like, can we not talk about Scott right now? I very much felt that. I mean, you know how I feel about Scott, but that was my energy throughout this entire scene. Like, this is Courtney's moment and let's let her have it because she deserves it. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And when they were at, this was what I thought was really interesting. When they were talking right before the engagement and they were asking about the kids and Kim was kind of making the point of like, I'm not sure if this really was the right call to not have them here. Like, they were all going a little bit back and forth. And Chris made the point to say, you know, if we had to lie to Scott to get the kids here under false pretenses, that is something that would have eaten us alive. And I do agree with that. Like, I think they would have had a very, very difficult time with that. But it was interesting that that was part of Chris's reasoning, because if that was the, I don't think that was the sole purpose. I don't think that was the sole reason of not having them there. I do think that for Chris, it contributed a little, but even like with my position, that would have been incredibly inappropriate for that to be the main reason. Right. But it wasn't. I really don't believe that it was. No, I don't think it was either. It was just interesting that Chris even threw that into the equation. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a really honest thing to say, you know, because totally to your point, like that probably isn't perceived the best in the state of public opinion. Like you can't make the decision for whether or not the kids are going to be there by how hard it is for you to tell Scott. So for her to even mention that, knowing how it could come across was just shows how like honest this conversation was. 
Can I ask you a question that I don't know if I have an answer to because I wasn't sure how I felt? Yeah, of course. Do you think that Scott should have been given a heads up before? No. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I think only maybe for the sake of the kids and maybe it could have, like, I think this all could have been avoided had Scott been given the heads up because then he would have said, I want the kids to be there. It seems like he really, we'll get into that. Somebody who's at home should keep a tracker of how many times we have to consciously stop ourselves by saying, and we'll get into that in a minute. I don't want to go there yet, but I, I, I don't want to go there yet. But it does seem like Scott was genuinely upset for his kids that they weren't there. And that could have potentially been avoided had somebody spoken to Scott and been like, listen, we got to get the kids there. We don't want to lie to you about this. Like, we don't want you to not know where your kids are, but can we make that happen? I agree though, in the sense of he shouldn't have known because then I go back to this point of like, in no way, shape or form should Scott have known that Courtney was going to get engaged before Courtney knew she was being engaged to. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, I I know how complex this all is, but I think that my my stance has to lie with that is her news to tell. And even though technically she wasn't the first one to tell him, I'm sure he just found out either by Chloe or because he just found out from the kids. I forget exactly how he found out, but I still think you just can't do it. And honestly, the irony of this whole thing is that Courtney probably would have been thrilled. You know, she probably would have loved one of them to sit him down ahead of time. It's less confrontation for her. It simplifies things for her. So I actually don't even think Courtney would have been mad. I just feel like on the principle, you can't do that. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We could record this episode and I'm sure people have a lot of feedback about their thoughts and maybe that could change my mind. I just, if you're asking me my gut reaction to the question you just asked, my gut is no, he should not have been given a heads up because yes, it's hard for him to process, but it was going to be hard no matter what. And you know what? Life's hard. We don't all get heads up for really emotionally jarring moments. No, I, I agree. My only thought in all of this as I'm like still thinking about the Scott of it all. And when I think about the Scott of it all, so much of my attention is focused on the kids. If there were kids were there and they had figured out how to get them there, I would have never even thought twice about should Scott have been given the heads up. The only thing with this is that he didn't propose in a private place. Like we knew that this was happening because we were seeing the pictures being leaked online before they even got engaged. Like, oh, Travis is on the beach. Something's happening here. It's at the Rosewood Miramar, which is their place. There's flowers all set up. Like we knew that Courtney was getting engaged before Courtney knew that she was getting engaged. So the fact of the matter is, is that I think that how public it was, was not dealt with well, whether you're Courtney, whether you're the kids, whatever it was. So had it been an entirely private thing and Courtney had the opportunity to either have her kids there or call them immediately after and be the first one to tell her, have somebody else give Scott the heads up before anybody else found out, I think it would have changed things. But there's a part of me that's really focused on how public this all ended up being. Because I can think back to finding those pictures and getting them leaked online before anything even happened. No, I know. And those are all of the factors that further complicate this. Because by the way, Yes, it was going to be public, but also that's their place. Like he's going to do it there because that is the most special thing to her and to him and to their relationship. So like, because the nature of it needing to be a little bit more public and then potentially leading to some leaks, I still don't think it's on their responsibility. I, it's just this, it's very unique. This is like a prime example of when you say things are circumstantial, like this shit is circumstantial. And I don't think that there's a one size fits all model. The only thing that is no matter what, 100% is like, this is Courtney's moment. And I think everyone needed to be hyper aware of celebrating that for her as they were. Oh, they absolutely were. That was not a question at all. Like I think, and even every deliberation about whether or not the kids should have been there, like what was the right move was all with Courtney in mind. Because you get to that point where 
they come back to the hotel and they're all ecstatic. Like that was so emotional. Like just how excited everybody was and for them to walk into the room and everyone to be there in that moment between Courtney and Chris that I really want to talk about. Like all of that was so amazing that when Courtney calls Penelope and Penelope's hysterically crying on the phone and they're having that discussion about like, what is she feeling right now? Is this about Courtney? Is this about Scott? Is this about Travis? Is this, like, All of the things that Penelope was experiencing in that moment. I think kind of the conclusion that they came to was like, those would have been experienced whether she was there or not. So was this the right move to have her not there and have Courtney really be able to focus on this day and be so happy for herself and not worried about like, how do I emotionally immediately jump into handling this situation? No, I know. That's what I was saying earlier. That was such a raw moment. And you could tell Courtney didn't know even the best way to handle it. It's a circumstance she's never been in. And Penelope at the end of the day, I mean, she's a child. She was processing this as a child does, you know? And so aside from the fact that that maybe would have been happening if she was there, then the cameras are there. So then you are like robbing her of the opportunity to handle that privately. You know, she didn't know how she was going to react. And I think Courtney's right. There were so many other factors that were going on. It's let's, let's move to Chloe and Tristan and like take a breather on this. But yeah, I, I guess the overwhelming point that I would like to make is I don't think any single person who's in the situation or not, but specifically not like as we as fucking commentators, like you can't make that call on what's when what's correct or not, you know? No. Oh my God. And I would never want to. I mean, it's definitely interesting to theorize, but no, I, and I don't think there was a hundred percent a right call. I think Chris did what she thought was best. And this was so much more about it just being a difficult decision at the end of the day. Okay. Let's take a deep breath and then go to Chloe and Tristan for a second, because <laughs> the, the emotional reaction we have to this family is something that could be studied, quite frankly. I, so true. Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like there have literally been times where we've had to pause a recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things. Because listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm never gonna be a daily bra wearer. It's just not in the cars for me, never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events that I've kind of had a lot of weddings and just there's sometimes you got to wear a bra. And when I tell you Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra and the No Show Balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like, it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you, it was a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like, I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm, I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like, I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. 
With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot pet insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, so we all know that Tristan flew in for this proposal. And when the scene starts, we hear Chloe saying in her confessional, we're good, we're actually in a really good place, we just got back together. This is the first time that she said that because think about it, up until now, he's obviously been wanting it and she's maintaining the fact that they're still co-parenting and they're still platonic or they're still not fully together. So before we get into anything, just so that we're all on the same page, let's go through a very brief timeline. Kim hosts SNL October 9th. Courtney and Travis get engaged October 17th, okay? So when Chloe says we just got back together, let's say that was the beginning of October. Even we can go as far as to say end of September, right? We can assume that that's what she means by we just got back together. Tristan's son that he had with Marilyn Nichols was born on December 22nd. And that whole thing broke with the Snapchat and all of that just a few days before. So October 17th, she's telling us we are back together. He flies in for the fucking proposal in Santa Barbara. And less than two months later is when it comes out. Not only has he been cheating, but there is a child that has just been born into the world. Like, I'm having like a, I'm having I know, like a blood like, pressure issue. And I wanted that. I want that. Let's all like rage is not a bad thing. It's not bad to have anger. It's not bad to have rage. So I want us, I almost was saying this for everybody's sake, but also for our own because We get bamboozled by Tristan time and time again because he comes onto the screen and he's so charming and he's so handsome and whatever. No, fuck that. Now that we have the timeline at the start of this, let's have this discussion with that in mind because this is such, this is such manipulative behavior that I, I, I'm going to calm myself, but I, I really wanted to jump through that screen. I want to take you back for a minute. Because I think that we need to remind ourselves of our understanding of what we thought the original timeline was, which is when clearly whatever the news outlets had in terms of sources was very wrong from what was being reported about Chloe and Tristan versus what actually their timeline was. But if you remember, we were under the impression that they had gotten back together long before this and that by the time that this proposal came around, news sources had said that they had broken up. So when we were watching all of this go down and we saw Tristan there, we were under the impression that he was there post-breakup. So already when we're watching this, not on the show, happen in real time, I'm saying, we're like, what the fuck is Tristan doing there? So now we have this whole added layer that that's not the case. They actually weren't together up until that point. And the point where we thought they had just broken up was actually the point where they had just gotten back together. Right. Actually, very, very important clarification. You're so right. Because remember the night that, <laughs> the night that Courtney and Travis got engaged? And I literally mean, do you remember that evening? Because you and I were standing on like 68th and Columbus formatting Kim's comments that we could get it up and we were just losing our mind. You remember that? 
Do I, remember? I promise you, Em, like, I promise you, I'll never forget that. Right. Okay. So, and that was also the day that we walked like 42,000 steps. You remember? And we were like falling over, but formatting this comment on the side of the road, leaning up against Bed Bath and Beyond. Wow. That just took me back. Anyway, in that, yes, we saw those videos and we were like, wait a second, what, what is Tristan doing? We were very, very confused. And I think probably annoyed, but didn't really even understand the how annoyed we were about to be once we found out the actual truth. And this is the actual truth. Right. And I should have this in front of me. I don't because I honestly forgot about it until this moment right now. But something that also adds to the timeline is, I believe this was at the end of June because it was Father's Day. Do you remember that Tana tweeted something that she got a lot of backlash for, like kind of deservingly, about Tristan being the first one at her party and was like, why are you here? It's Father's Day. Go be with Chloe. And she ended up apologizing. And she was like, that was really inappropriate. He's allowed to be out. But then, but then if you remember correctly, what happened after that was that somebody then came out with a story about how he went to Drake's party after that. And he was like alone in a room with three women and they saw him like emerge being disheveled. So after that, was when we were under the impression like, no, they were already broken up at that point. Like they were not together at all. They had broken up. They had gotten back together prior to that and then broken up. So our whole timeline here is like so skewed because our view of him being there at the engagement was following thinking that he may be cheated on her coming out of the bedroom at Drake's party. But we're now piecing together, I feel like in real time almost, that even when they were working on getting back together, that story came out. I remember that so vividly, but I totally would have forgotten about it if you didn't bring that up. And yes, this does kind of contribute to it because you're right, at the time they weren't together. So just if we want to like put a visual to it, the scene from last week or two weeks ago when Chloe's in the pink, right? She comes over to his house and they're kind of just talking and she's saying how they're co-parenting, they're not together. We can imagine that the dynamic they had in June was relatively similar to that. Yes? Yes. Right. So Tristan would be going out, let's say, to Tana's party, to Drake's party with multiple women. And then he comes and he has that conversation with Chloe. And the real question is, like, I mean, this whole thing is warped, but just like go with me on this warped mindset for a second just to answer this question. Technically speaking, like, was that kosher? Like, were they, was it really the thing of like, you know what, we're not together, we're co-parenting. Okay, as long, don't embarrass me, but do your thing. Do you think that that was a, like a factor or they like purposely weren't being with other people, at least, you know, to each other? So I don't know, because that was actually a question that I had about this entire pregnancy situation where like, if they're working on the relationship, but he's technically single, is it fair for Chloe to say like, but you can't be with anybody else? I, I'm asking that. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. I'm just like really curious about like, is that a fair thing for Chloe to say? Like, we're not together. We're going to work on us. I'm maybe going to get back together with you, but I also don't want you seeing anybody else. So that was my question as it applied to him getting another woman pregnant, which was I was under the impression. And when they conceived the baby, they weren't together. So I was under the impression that this entire thing came about while they weren't technically together. Because that's what we had heard Chloe say throughout these episodes. Like, we're in therapy together. It's more therapy for him. We're not back together. But like, so like when this thing came out of the baby, I was always under the impression like, you know what? He fucked up really bad again. I can't believe he embarrassed her in this way. But like, is it technically the worst thing in the entire world if they weren't together? 
But now we have the understanding. I'm sorry, I know I'm jumping all over the place here. But now we have the understanding that he was with this woman. Maybe it was closer for them to have been together because him and Chloe weren't technically together when the baby was conceived. But he got back together with Chloe under the pretenses of knowing about this. Well, that's the thing. Right, right. Oh, I, I, my head's spinning. I, we have to stop theorizing because it's it's really making my head spin and there's so much even just in this one episode. But yeah, like you put together all of those factors and we got ourselves a very different story than the far more simpler one that he was attempting to present. It's it's all over. Like my mind is like literally spinning because there are so many pieces and so many things to put together and so many questions I have. And the thing that I also am so curious about is like, what does them getting back together look like? How does that, how is that like trigger almost pulled? Because up until this point, they were interacting so the same. You know what I mean? Like they were constantly together. They were in therapy, but they weren't quote together. Does Chloe wake up one day and say, you know what? Today's the day that I give you the shot. Is it that they had one night together and they, you know, maybe they had this kiss. And they were like, okay, let's make it work. Like what does them getting back together actually look like based on the way that they were interacting prior to that? Well, you know, not to sound greedy, because here we were spending the first five minutes saying how we got so much, and we did. I mean, we were in Courtney's egg retrieval. We got the FaceTime of her and the kids. Like, I am not complaining, so let that be very known. But now that you say it, yeah, we kind of did glance over that a little bit. Like, what, Chloe's just going to sit in the confessional and say so? We're back together? Like, I get it. I respect your privacy, but God, I am fiending. Like, I want to know what, what did that look like? I mean, remember episode one when Courtney sits down and tells us, yeah, Travis and I, we were watching a movie and we watched the first movie. He doesn't make a move. So we start to the second one and I say, I'm not here for a movie marathon and I make the move on him. Like those are the kind of details in the timeline that I die for and that I pray we're going to get with Kim and Pete. So now that you said it, I have a lot more questions here. I, I was, I was up until you just said that I was fully satisfied on this. And now I'm thinking, yeah, how did that turn? My only assumption or hope is that we're going to get that in the episode when Kim calls Chloe to tell her about Tristan. Right. Oh, you're saying like in a confessional, like she, when she's explaining it, she then says, you know, here's what happened. Yeah. 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 You know, I hope that when she does it, she does it either in the Fendi Skims confessional outfit or in like a hot pink one. I just think there's something so powerful about Chloe with long platinum hair and in like super vibrant colors. My favorite Chloe look, like maybe ever, bold statement. I love her in the confessional outfit in the jeans and the sparkly silver top. Yeah, but in this one, you're saying when she has the shorter hair? Yes. And it's not that I want the Tristan confessional to be given in that outfit because when I picture Chloe in that outfit, it's like her legs are crossed. She's having so much fun. Like that's not the vibe for the Tristan confessional. Just while we're on the topic of confessional looks, I fucking love her in that outfit. Like when I think of Chloe now, I think of her like sitting crisscross in that outfit. Right, with like the relaxed jeans. I mean, just in general, I love that look, like a more relaxed jean with like a kind of va boom shirt. You know, that's like my yeah, thing. Yeah, I wore it last I, night. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are all over the place, all over the fucking place. And I love it. Let's get back to the engagement, to that moment after. Yes. Okay. Let's regroup because before we get into them actually walking into the room, we obviously have the little conversation that everyone's having. And I love when Chloe in her confessional, sorry, but in that orange look, again, the vibrance, take me out. 
when she's saying, you know, there's nothing weird about the Barkers and the Kardashians blending. We've been doing barbecues for years. And we know that obviously, and Courtney has said it, but it almost hits different when another sibling says it. Cause it's like from their perspective, yeah, it totally makes sense. You know? Oh, absolutely. I, I liked the effort and not that I would have expected anything else, but I did feel like there was a very conscious effort to make his kids feel really a part of this, especially because Obviously, the Kardashians are a very loud, overwhelming family. And to have three kids who are younger watching their dad get engaged, that's so overwhelming, especially with cameras there. And I I do feel like that effort was really made to not just make them feel a part of it, but to make them feel like they could let their personality shine during it. Even though they were shyer and they were a little bit more reserved, I felt like everybody there was like, not only do we know how important this is to Courtney to make this feel as comfortable as possible for them. But like, we genuinely want that too. Completely. It was important to all of them. And also, I know this entire podcast is us trying not to derail ourselves, but I I just have to say another thought. It hit me midway through this dinner when I was like, wait a second, Rob's not here. And I know that's not surprising because he hasn't been present to a lot of events, but do you think he would have been there if the cameras weren't there? Or do you think he wouldn't have been there regardless? Like, I guess... It's, it's a more general question and using this as just one kind of anecdote to be a jumping off point for this conversation. But I guess my real question or just point of discussion is, I guess I don't feel like I have a good enough understanding of, is Rob's separation from the family specifically as it applies to the cameras? And obviously he's really wanted to be separate and apart from that publicity, which is totally fine. Or you know, does he still remove himself? And I don't know because we see a lot of Easter or things that aren't filmed and he is there. So that makes me think that it's just like, if cameras are there, he's not going to be there. Or if they're there, he's going to really not take an involvement. But it just made me sad, you know? And, and then I considered, well, is he there? And he just didn't want to be filmed. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like, I, I didn't even think of it until just now. Like, I, I literally did not realize that he wasn't there. And it's so confusing because I don't know how to theorize about this because they're so close with him. Like when they talk about him, it's just in the most loving way of like, that is our little brother. Like they are so close to them. All of them have their own unique relationship with him, specifically Chloe, as we know. But even Courtney and Kim too, just like anytime they're speaking about him, just so adoring of him. But then it feels natural that he's not at something like that. And so those two things coexisting at the same time is so strange. I know. And that's what I'm saying. Like it, it hit me in the middle of the episode. And then I realized, is it strange that it just hit me now? Or is it actually normal? Because we've all kind of just become, you know, accustomed to this reality. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I think it's that we've become accustomed. And I guess they've kind of figured out what works for them and what works for Rob. And I think everything is done with his best interest in mind. But yeah, as the viewer, it's it's strange. You have a lot of questions there about that that definitely have not been answered. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the actual engagement, I mean, it was beautiful when we saw it in the photos. And at this point, I feel like we've really gotten a sense of their relationship, but God, was it magical to watch. Like even before any moment between Chris and Courtney, and even before they actually walked in, we couldn't even hear what he was saying. Obviously that was purposeful. You know, they wanted that to be private to themselves, but I was hysterical. Oh, I lost it. I really lost it. And then there was that moment when they came back and just when... 
Courtney and Travis and Chris are standing there and Chris is just holding Courtney like hysterically crying and just saying how happy she is. And it was a completely different level of happiness than we've ever seen Chris have, I feel like. Like this was just something that you can tell emotionally like impacted Chris in a way that was different than everything else. But that moment of her hugging Courtney and being so happy coupled with like her acknowledging how sweet and such a good man Travis is, Travis being emotional, like, oh my God, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot. Highly emotional. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I think it came from a few things in terms of Chris's reaction. I definitely think there's something to be said for it being her oldest child, which she was saying there, I, I think rings true. And also the fact that they all operated under the assumption that Courtney was just never going to get married because it wasn't something that was important to her. And also she's so happy for Courtney because of the hell that she went through with Scott. All of those factors, absolutely. But I also think it's Travis specific. I don't believe she would have had this reaction if it was just anyone that Courtney was marrying because I just feel like she has so much confidence in knowing this is one person that my children are choosing to be with that I know will never wrong her. And I don't know if she could say the same about a lot of the other men that have been in their lives because they've been wronged deeply and badly. And this is not the happiness she felt for Kim and Chris Humphreys because yes, yeah, she was over the moon that Kim was finally going to have her fairy tale wedding, but she never felt that connection, not only to Chris. Also, she never felt like this guy is a good person through his soul. And she's never had the intimate understanding of the way that whoever this person is operates with their children. You know, like she has been able to watch for 10 years the way that Travis interacts with his children. Like they are really our family. So it's a, a lot about Courtney. I'm not taking the Courtney aspect of it away, but it's also specifically about Travis. She would not have had this reaction if the person Courtney was marrying wasn't as gentle, as kind, and as just like good of a man, like a salt of the earth type of guy. I so agree. It is so Travis specific. And I think it also coupled with how Travis specific it is. It also has that feeling of like, I think for Chris, she accepted like who Courtney was a while ago. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like for Courtney to navigate life and have this back and forth with Scott and always kind of just be a little bit on edge and not settled and and even after her and Scott broke up, it was really up in the air what was going to happen for her. And I think that was something that Chris just accepted. Like, if Courtney says she's happy, I'm going to stick by her, even though with my own two eyes, I can see this isn't what she wants. And like, I think there were a lot of years that Chris just passively watched that happen, knowing that there was nothing she could really do about that, but knowing that something was just off. And so I think this was the first time in years and years and years where she was able to be like, this is it. Like, this isn't off. This is what Courtney deserves. This is what I've wanted for her for so long that I wasn't able to express or get to her. And I think that feeling of like, my child finally is in this place is like, I think that was just overwhelming for Chris. Exactly. I mean, I'm obviously not a parent, but I have to imagine that there's no greater feeling than knowing your child is happy and secure and cared for and safe, like emotionally safe. Are you kidding me? I feel like that's all you could want as a parent. Listen, it's a little different because there isn't that pre-existing friendship there and there wasn't that uh, understanding of how much Chloe had gone through at that time. Like this is very prior to the emotional roller coaster that Chloe will go through in her life. But I think that when Chloe and Lamar got married, I think Chris had a very similar feeling of like, I really trust this person with my daughter. And obviously that ended very differently. But I do think at the time that that was 100% the impression 
that Chris had of Lamar, which made the whole situation all that more heartbreaking. No, similarities can absolutely be drawn. They are very, very different, but I know the point that you're making. I think, you know, the other thing, and I feel like I have an awareness of this because we watched this episode relatively recently, is that at the time, even though I think Chris was very hopeful about their love story and really respected the man that Lamar was, like, you remember, I mean, there was so much drama surrounding it because Caitlin was so mad at Chloe for the way that she was handling it. And everyone was so concerned about the quickness of the whole thing. So even if Chris's feelings weren't that, like there was so much drama. And I think with Travis, there's just no fucking drama. No, but there are outside factors, the Scott of it all, the kids, like it's not drama free, but their relationship is drama free. Where I guess Chloe and Lamar at the time, though, that's how it was too. Like the outside factors were drama, but they themselves were just seemed like this fairy tale, 30 days soulmates type of thing. And I remember that even in the way that it was handled with Caitlin, which was so wrong at the time and obviously eventually got a little bit more figured out when they had that dinner where Lamar proposed to Chloe, like gave her the ring. Obviously he had proposed prior, but when he really gave her the ring and Caitlin and Lamar were talking at the table and Caitlin was like, this is a good man. Like, this is who I want my Chloe to be marrying. Like, he's going to protect her. He's had a tough life and he, he knows like what that means. And how, like, there was just that air of like, oh, this is somebody that we can depend on for Chloe. And I'm not comparing because I do feel very differently about Travis. Like, I feel like they've known him for so long. And a huge factor of what happened with Lamar was just the lack of time. But just in terms of the conversation of what you were saying about like, I don't know if Chris has ever had this feeling before about the person that her daughter's with. I think as close as we can get to that was Lamar. Yes, as close as we can get to it. But it, I don't think you can say that the factors were as were entirely external because at the time, Caitlin was upset and Caitlin was, you know, Chris's partner. Like they, that was, that was her unit. So it wasn't like someone else was objecting. It was like literally the person she was married to was objecting not only to the time, but to the relationship as a whole, because she, you know, Caitlin didn't feel like she knew Lamar in this way. So yeah, all this other shit exists, but not one person is having an issue with Courtney and Travis with the exception of Scott. And even him, he doesn't have an issue with Travis. He's obviously, he would have an issue no matter who the person is. So I, right. I, I don't think it's fair to say it was entirely external with the Lamar thing. But yes, like I'm, I'm on your page about the point you're making. At this point, it's just semantics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about us, we are going to hammer it motherfucking down. No. One thing about us, we're going to fucking tangent. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. Also, you know, we didn't even talk about how the title is we're celebrating sex. And obviously that line came from the fact when Chris was saying this is the anniversary of the first time they hooked up. And then Corey made the very legitimate observation of like, okay, so basically we're celebrating their sex. And it just feels so fitting. So, I mean, that's their relationship. This entire yeah. relationship is just us celebrating their sex. Oh my God, Em, don't even say sex because I can't wait to get to the last scene of this episode. I know, I know. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house. Like, where do we feel our most comfortable? And For me, on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be, are mascara and lip gloss. Maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy, but honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. 
It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to talk about when they go into the back room and obviously Courtney is FaceTiming Penelope and then they're having that kind of sister meeting. And I want you to mention the point that you made to me before we started recording, which is very true. And I'm sure other people have this observation. So first of all, this conversation of them sitting on the couch has been teased a lot. I had no idea that it was going to be at the engagement that this took place. But regardless, this conversation where they're sitting on the couch has been teased a lot. And one of the things that we saw was obviously Kendall saying the line of, do you have sympathy for Scott? Another thing that we saw from them sitting on the couch in the previews was Chloe saying, why are we always making excuses for the people that traumatize us? And she didn't say that in this conversation. So I'm so curious if that was in reference to Scott, if it was in reference to something else, and if that's ever going to come back up again. Well, it 100% happened in this moment. And it's interesting that they would use it so much in the previews and then have it be cut. I don't know. I mean, I never thought that that line would have been about Scott, but it kind of, I mean, in this context, it feels like it must have, no? I, I think so. It was just that in this moment, it felt like Chloe was really sympathetic to Scott. Like, it, it it didn't feel like Chloe was mad or angry at Scott in any way, shape, or form. It was kind of like they were dealing with the Penelope. They go into the room. Courtney realizes she has the missed call from Penelope. She calls Penelope and tells her Penelope immediately starts hysterically crying. And then they're kind of having this conversation of, like, what is this crying about? And they come to the conclusion, it's a lot of different things. It's, you know, your mom's getting engaged. There's this feeling of, like, am I losing my dad? Am I getting a new dad? Am I allowed to have the same relationship with Scott, like there was a lot of factors happening. And Chloe during all of this also says, well, Scott knows. And Kendall, when she comes in, hears Chloe say that and says like, oh, how did Scott react? And they're whispering about it. But no part of it was negative. No part of it was Chloe like critiquing the way that Scott's reacting. So I'm so curious if that that line was about Scott how the conversation sort of shifted. Because Kendall does start to like ask questions about Scott and push back and ask 
you know, Courtney, if she has sympathy for him, so maybe it came up then, but Kim puts an end to that conversation, rightfully so, and is like, let's not do this right now. This doesn't need to be about Scott. Right. And I was so glad that Kim said that. It was almost like when I was viewing the scene, I had a split mind because on one hand, I was so glad that Kendall said that to Chloe like selfishly because I was just curious about what the answer was going to be. But then I was also so annoyed of like, don't do this right now. There's so many other times, like wait till, you know, Courtney leaves the room. So then finally they have that little discussion. You see Courtney's kind of just sitting there observing. And then for Kim to weigh in and be like, guys, let's not do this now. That was the voice of reason that we really needed because even if we all had that thought, it's easy to get like swept up into wanting to know kind of the drama of it all. So I felt like Kim played a very important role there. Kim's always the voice of reason. And I have to say one of my favorite parts of this whole episode, which is like so classic and so minor, was just that when Courtney is crying and she wants to like collect herself, she's like, I'm going to go touch up. And she goes into the other room and she's like, oh, of course, my mom and sisters thought of everything, knowing that I wasn't going to be in glam. They have glam set up for me, knowing that I would want to touch up from like crying or how emotional the day was or want to have it at dinner. And I was like, that is so them. Like they think of every single little detail. And it was also so important to me because it was like they let Travis have his planning. This was his thing. He took over, but they were still able to add their little touch to it. No, that wasn't a little part of the episode. That was a very important part of the episode. And you're so right. It was so much more than just a superficial understanding of like, they wanted her to have glam because she would have wanted it. It was also just what went into that of like, we're going to let Travis do his thing, but also it's going to be waiting right around the corner and Courtney, don't you have to worry for one second. And that level of preparation is to me like a love language. I think that's a very legitimate love language. Totally. I also think when you said before about this episode just being raw, like, you're so right. That's what made this the best episode. It wasn't just the information. It was the rawness of it. To be able to get that reaction from Penelope, Rain being joking on, on the FaceTime, them having this powwow in the other room, knowing the details of the glam team being there, knowing the, to like all of it, everything about that engagement was so amazing and such amazing television because of the rawness of it. You are so, so right. I know it was so special and it's probably a bold statement to say like, we've never seen anything like that. I can't say that factually. I mean, we were in the delivery room and Chloe is giving birth and Tristan's standing right there and Kim is making faces to Malika behind his back. I mean, that's pretty fucking raw as well. But there was just something about this. And I think honestly, like getting into the FaceTime, when Penelope answers that FaceTime and you see, Corny doesn't know what's going to be on the receiving end of that. And to watch Courtney really struggle with knowing how to handle that reaction, I think that's a really hard thing to know how to do. You know, like you don't know how you're going to be in that moment, but you see she's touching her hair. Like she's, she was just kind of nervous. And I think that it was, it was just like a, an interesting glimpse into an aspect of her journey through motherhood that we would have never expected to see. Like I, I would not have at all been upset if she said that that was too intimate to show. And I guess I was just like really aware of how grateful I felt that she felt comfortable enough to show it. That's exactly what I was just going to say is on top of all of it and how raw that was and emotional and just amazing that we got that insight. The sheer fact that Courtney allowed it to happen speaks volumes. Because had she said, can we clear the cameras out? I wouldn't have been surprised at all. Like I was almost expecting that. And it just showed such a clear switch in terms of 
this show versus the last and Courtney's mindset in filming and showing her life versus anything we've ever seen before. Just the fact that she allowed us into that moment. And that's what I think also made it more raw than anything we've ever seen before because we've seen such intense moments with Chloe. We've seen such intense moments with Kim. And in the past, in the beginning seasons, we have seen those with Courtney. But I think we've got accustomed to Courtney being like, I'm not going to show that part of my life on camera. And so to be able to see that, you're like, oh, we're in a whole new territory now. Yeah. And I think that while I was watching this episode, I was having the active realization of like, this is why I feel so connected to this family, because this is what they show. And just nobody else shows this. No one else this famous also shows this. And honestly, in like a weird, sick, twisted way, and like, I I don't mean to sound ridiculous. Like I I promise you, I have my head screwed on straight when I say this. I, I know it's not like for us. It's for the sake of the ratings of the show, obviously. And to have a successful show, they have to be vulnerable. But it's almost like... God, I don't know how to say this. That sounded like a fucking freak. Please say you understand what I mean. It's almost like a compliment as a viewer that Courtney feels safe enough to show some of these intimate moments. Like it almost makes you feel like, I, I, I does that make sense? Or do I have to completely remake this point because I sound insane? I don't think you sound insane. Like I understand what you're saying. It's like this weird dynamic of mutual respect where yes, it's like, yes, yes. Where it's like, I acknowledge as the entertainment that you as the viewer play a role in what our family's position in all of this is. Like, I understand that we don't get to do any of this unless we have people watching it. And I feel like for the first time in a while, Courtney finally understood that concept of like, you allow us to do this. I'm going to give that to you. And it does sound weird because it was maybe one of the most personal moments of Courtney's entire life. That FaceTime of her daughter crying while telling her the news of her engagement, like that is another level of personal. You will never, ever, ever, I don't think, get something that raw from another celebrity of that caliber unless it's like a documentary that's years and years in the making and certainly not in the moment. But that's what it felt like. It felt like Courtney finally acknowledging what Kim and Chloe have been saying this entire time and Chris of like, we got you because you got us. Right. Yes. 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 That's so what it was. And clearly Courtney feels that she's at this point in her life when she can do that because she feels secure enough. Like she probably never felt secure enough in what was going on in her life and like specifically the romantic element to be able to then show that side. And like, it it, it just, it spoke volumes. If you've been watching the show from the beginning, you realize how important this was. Let me tell you something. TikTok Courtney appreciation to Courtney giving us the single most intimate moment of her life pipeline. Yes, true, true. She picked up on that absolutely, and we've spoken about that before. But this was a very you know tangible example of that. I felt like Courtney felt appreciated, and that's where this all came from. She felt appreciated, and she was like, you know what? Because of that sheer fact that I finally feel acknowledged in this family, and I have people on the internet that are like specifically looking out for me and like looking up to me and idolizing me in a way that's like almost comical. I'm going to give this back to you. That's how I felt. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad we figured that out. (laughs) Okay. The part about trying to decide whether or not this was the right move with the kids and then Courtney and her confessional saying, you know, I know my mom made that decision and it probably wasn't one of her best. And even as recently as this morning, I saw that she was liking tweets saying that it was kind of the wrong move. I I don't, this was hard. This was a really, really hard thing. I understood it from all sides, but, and not to jump, when Chloe's having that conversation with Scott and he's like, you know, they could have been driven. 
I also then consider that as a possibility. I don't know. It, it's it's such an impossible call, but when you add in the fact that they're famous and like the kids are then seeing on their TikTok that Alabama and Landon are there and Atiana, like I, I get it. I, I get it. It was a tough call. It was definitely a tough call. And it wasn't, it wasn't as clear as Chris fucked up because even in the moment, like Chloe and Kim were both like, I really do think this was the right move. And I don't think they were just saying that to her, like how we always say, like, listen, once something's done is done. Don't tell me after the fact that like, I should have changed my shirt or I should have changed something about this. Like if it's done, just like, let me feel good about it. I don't, I genuinely don't believe that that's what Chloe and Kim were doing because I think if they felt really upset about that in the moment and felt really upset on behalf of Courtney, they would have allowed her to feel that emotion and said, you know what? We want you to have your day, but like, I'm so sorry that the kids aren't here. I don't think it's the right move. Let's figure something out. I genuinely think that they thought that that's what was right too. I think that they did as well. And you, even still, I don't even want to say like hindsight's twenty twenty. I still don't think that they could say with full certainty that that was maybe the move. Maybe because Courtney said it was, they would agree because obviously it's, you know, whatever she wants. But I still think there's a part of them that would think, you know, for example, even Penelope's reaction, that didn't just come from the fact that she wasn't there. It was her processing it in real time. And maybe it wasn't the best move. I don't know. Like the one thing I'm not going to do is give an opinion on whether or not her kids should have been there. Like, I do not know. That is so, so specific. I see an argument for both sides. Absolutely. And if she wanted it, then I guess the answer is they should have been, but there was no way to ask her because the whole thing was a secret. So you had to go with your gut. They, they did their best. Totally. And listen, we're both not parents and both not a child of divorce and not young where our parents have had to re- like, it's a really, really complicated situation. So I can't approach this from any sort of knowledgeable place. Like I can't say what I would have done if I was the child, if I was the parent, like I don't know that territory at all. But I do think that this was just all around a tough call and not a situation where there was a clear answer. And that's what I think has to be remembered in all of this. Yes, absolutely. And you're right. Like sometimes your own personal life experiences make you feel more qualified to evaluate a situation. And there's a lot of things in that that I do. This is this is just not one of them. I know that I'm not the best person to make that call. Um, wait, we didn't, we kind of like glanced over this and I, I'm looking at the outline. I want to go back to it. Not the time when Kendall asked, I know we skipped over this part, but when Kendall said like, do you have any sympathy for Scott? Cause it doesn't really feel like it. Again, when I saw that preview, I didn't think that this was going to be happening at their engagement. Like that's a pretty bold thing to ask Courtney at her engagement. It was bold. And I couldn't tell whether or not I felt like based on what I'd seen from the preview versus based on what actually happened. Like if I almost felt like Kendall said it a little bit more sensitively than I would have thought based on the preview. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like once I put together the pieces that Kendall asked that question in that moment before Kendall had said it, just based on the preview, I was like, oh, what the fuck? But then when she actually said it, I was like, okay, I kind of fit into the conversation in a way. I still don't think it needed to be brought up, but I think Kendall is really sensitive to the mental health aspect of it. And I think it was really understood that that was the place where she was coming from. Totally. And like you said, I very much will give Kendall the benefit of the doubt. The reason she was bringing it up, I do believe, is because she has a major hyper-awareness to Scott's mental health and she just wanted to make that point. Either way, like not really the time. And Kim immediately took the reins on that and put them all into gear. But yes, like I was aware of that moment. And then also another thing we didn't even mention, (laughs) this outline is so stacked that I don't even know where to start, is when Courtney is talking to Chloe about how it wasn't until, you know, Robert was accepting of Caitlin that she felt like she was able to kind of take a deep breath. And again, 
that's another perspective that we don't have. Like Courtney is a child of divorce. And so she, I think, has an interesting perspective on the way Penelope is dealing with this, the way that Chloe does, the way that all of them do, you know, and she can compare that almost to this scenario, even though it's very different. I have something to say here, and I don't think I'm qualified to say it. Let's try. The way that I felt about that comment was it was so valid. Like, I do agree. Like, Scott, as a parent, probably has some responsibility in making the kids feel comfortable with Courtney's relationship. I 100% agree. But by that same logic, if the kids are going to accept Travis in the way that Courtney wants and craves and that Travis wants, and that I think the kids want as well, then I do think that on the reverse, Courtney maybe has the responsibility to have Scott feel accepted so the kids can see that as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's only on Scott here. Well, first of all, I understand your hesitation in making that point because I think it could be received wrong, but I I understand what you're saying. And let's even remove the element about like Scott being accepted into the family for the kids to see that. Like that's that's where it gets even more complicated. And like, obviously you and I have our thoughts on that, but I think that whatever, that's personal. I think if if that's the logic, then the conversation she's having with Chloe in the car, when Chloe's like, you have to talk to him. And she's like, why? No conversation needs to be had. And Chloe's like, for the sake of the children, this massive you know, change in your life is happening. It's only normal that you guys have that conversation to discuss how you're going to navigate it. To me, that's where it's like, if, if you are hell-bent on that being the logic, which is totally sound and makes so much sense, like you have to contribute to having that conversation with him in a way. Although I know the other part of the argument is like, well, Scott just needs to be accepting of the relationship in general. And that's more of what she meant when she was talking about Robert and Caitlin. But at this point, Scott is accepting of the relationship. Obviously he's personally distraught, but he's not taking a stand against Travis. No, totally. I mean, let's move on, I think, to that conversation between Chloe and Scott, because I have so much to say there. And like, literally, Em, we could spend probably another hour and a half just talking about after the engagement. Like we didn't even get to Kylie walking into the room and being like, oh, so you guys are having a sister's meeting without me? Like Kylie, my likable queen. It's different than Courtney, but it's kind of similar from the viewer perspective of like, we're enjoying Kylie so much because she's clearly enjoying it. And it's different than in keeping up when she has to pretend to do want to do this whole like Spartan race. No, she can just be there for Courtney's engagement. She can pop in on a sister talk. She can eat in and out in the car and like that's her commitment. And I think she's thrilled to do it. And so it's, it is so fun to watch her when she's clearly happy to be there. I'm in a little bit of a Kylie phase right now. I don't know how this happened. I didn't see it coming. And I think it's a lot of King Kylie content that I've seen on TikTok, but I'm, and I just think that she's been so funny recently, but I'm in a Kylie phase. Yeah, I know you are. I'm so overwhelmed because there's so much here. I mean, the toast, you know, just Chris's overwhelming emotion and you see all of them, they are taken, I think, at the way that Chris is reacting to this. And then when Travis says the thing about how, you know, his dad told him, literally woke him up in the middle of the night to tell him that Courtney reminds him so much of his mom who passed away when he was 13. Like these are all really, really special things. And again, that's intimacy that we would have never gotten. It was just really special, like as special as I would have wanted this night to be and as emotional and like, that's exactly what it was. Travis is just such a good, kind man. Like, I, I can't even say that enough because it it doesn't catch me off guard anymore because I feel like we're really learning his personality. And, and the point in which it did catch me off guard was just from 
than not knowing him. But he just, oh my God, he's so sweet and so gentle and so good to her and just adores her and loves her. And like, yeah, like Chris's emotion and everyone's emotion is just like, yeah, that's exactly what I would want for anybody in my life. Totally. And also it's, you know, beneficial for everyone there, both the kids and also the adults in the room to look at a relationship and see, okay, this is what I deserve, you know? Absolutely. I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine-building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash CBC. Visit hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash CBC. Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm gonna tell you again, and I'm honestly not gonna stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bull & Brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company. First of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic cotton and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at bowlandbranch.com. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Going out of order for a second here, because I know the Kim and Chloe scene came before the Chloe and Scott scene, but I think we wanted to just like finish that plot line out. So when Chloe comes over to Scott, I mean, first of all, we know that it's going to be Chloe that's going to be the one going over there to have that conversation with him above anyone. I mean, I guess it would be probably Chloe, then Chris, then Kim, but Chloe is the obvious choice. And just in the way that she handles things, I really think she has an emotional intelligence that no one else in this family has. And I say that as like a 
you know, Kim Stan. Yeah, it's an emotional intelligence and also an empathy. And I think that's actually why she ended up getting hurt by Tristan so many times is, and I'm not to put the blame on her in any way, shape, or form, but I do think that the emotional reaction that he had to hurting her was something that she continuously fell back into. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have so many thoughts here. I don't even know. I It's hard because I also like just watched this episode a few hours ago. You know, it's not like I've watched it five times and really have all the time to process it. Like I'm sure my thoughts could change, but I guess top level thoughts are number one, I am just so happy that Scott has this person in Chloe because I don't think there's anyone else in his life that he can be this vulnerable with that also understands the dynamic as well as Chloe does. Like she's the perfect person for him to talk to. And I don't think that it's draining for Chloe. Like I, I think that she on a some level gets enjoyment out of it. There's something that does feel good when you know you're helping someone emotionally, even if it's a hard spot to be in. So that relationship is just very special. In terms of the points that he was making with Courtney when he said like, you know, she's a rough one. So good luck to Travis kind of thing. Yeah, of course, Chloe's right that on some level, he was saying that to make himself feel better. I also think that their relationship lacked ease in a lot of ways. And so he was speaking honestly, but of course he was saying that to make himself feel better. When it comes to the kids, I got Chloe's point when she was saying what he was bringing up was relatively trivial. And I don't know if she was directly referencing that. Like, I don't know if she was saying everything he mentioned was trivial, but I... I don't know. I mean, I know that it's kind of hard to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's like looking at it totally rationally. But I do think that if his kids were legitimately upset that that's a natural reaction as a parent to then be upset on their behalf. I mean, I don't want to act like I have really strong feelings on the scene because I don't. I'm still figuring out how I feel. And I would normally not talk about it until I fully had my thoughts. But like, we have a podcast. That's what you got to do. So I guess, I don't know. It was This was a complicated scene for me. I think the reason that I feel more confident in my thoughts about this is because we, obviously the episode was released at midnight. I didn't get to watch until the morning. And I had checked our DMs like in the middle of the night, like literally 3 a.m. And I'd seen a DM from somebody being really upset with Scott. And so I went into the episode like nervous. I was like, okay, I know he's going to do something wrong. I know his reaction isn't going to be what I wanted. Like I'm prepared for that. I'm mentally preparing now to like just be really disappointed by him. And so when I watched it, I kind of went in with that expectation, which is not something I usually have in regard to Scott. And I still left feeling like, you know what? I don't think Scott did anything wrong here. Like, I think that the way he was reacting to Courtney specifically, that aspect of it, I do think he was projecting a lot. I do think he was hiding his true feelings on Courtney. And I do think he was trying to justify his thoughts on her engagement by almost rewriting their history, like by saying like, you know, it's not that I love Courtney so much still. It's that I always had this guilt about the way that I broke up our family and therefore I always wanted to be that person for her. And now I can finally let her go because like I'm guilt-free. Like I do think that there is an aspect of that that is right. I do think that he feels good about knowing that she was able to find somebody who's going to take care of her and that he can kind of let that internal guilt go. It is kind of a selfish thing, but I do think that was there. I think to claim that that was his only motivation in this is just rewriting history and wrong. But if he has to look at it in that way, then he's allowed to. I do think that the point that Scott was making about how upset he was about the kids not being there was 100,000% his true feelings. Like that is who Scott is as a dad. If he sees his kids upset and he knows there's a way to fix that, I think that no matter what, that's the solution that he wants. And so when he says, 
why are we acting like this is 10 hours away? It was one hour away. I would have jumped in the car or somebody else could have taken them. Like, I think him focusing on that aspect of being upset on behalf of his kids. Yeah, maybe it was taking some of that pain off of himself. But I think that was 100% legit. I think that had Kim called him and said, listen, I know this is uncomfortable for you, but the kids should be there. Courtney really wants them there. Will you bring them? I think he would have said yes in a heartbeat. I think he would have too. That's what I'm saying. That's why I so got what Chloe was saying, but I I don't feel confident saying that every single thing he mentioned was trivial because I think that that point was very true. I really think that he would have done that. And again, it's I'm still not saying it was the right call. Like I know we looked back and, and Courtney was saying that maybe it was. So if Courtney says that it was, but I'm saying like, there are arguments to be made that then Penelope would have to process this with everyone else, with the cameras. Like I get it, but I believed him. Like, I really did believe him. And I think that you're allowed to say that there's a distinction in what he was saying. Some of it was a little selfishly motivated. Absolutely. But some of it I do think was just the empathy he felt for his children. And also, like, again, to bring it back to this point that I know it's so repetitive, but when he says it's the family, I don't want to lose the family. We've been saying this for a while where we think that when there was that period of time where like Scott and Courtney were maybe going to get back together, like the last season of, of keeping up with the Kardashians where he's sitting at the table and he's like, you, Courtney knows this. I know this one day we're going to get together and we're going to have a good life and we're going to get married. Like one of the things we said at the time was like, does he want to marry Courtney or is he just so caught up in this idea of the family? And I still think that's the case. And so when he's sitting here and he's saying, I'm happy for Courtney. I think he is happy for her. I think he will always love her. And he said that. I think it stings a lot. And I think he's heartbroken, but I do think he's happy for her. And when he says, it's just about having the family, I just don't want to be left out of things. Like, I feel like no one's really listening to him when he says that because I actually, in my head, feel like the entire time he was pining to get back together with Courtney, it was more about the family than anything else to begin with. I know that's my feeling as well, especially because as we know, he doesn't have his own family. I think at this point in his life, when he's come to terms with all of it, lose or the idea, I should say, of losing the family is so much less scary than the idea of losing Courtney. He's lost her and he knows that. You're right. It stings. She thought she never wanted to get married and then she meets this guy and she gets married. Yeah, of course. There's an ego thing there. There's the fact that he still loves her. Absolutely. But truly, honestly, and I mean this with no disrespect to Courtney, it's the family for me that is that is really the harder pill to swallow for him. But, and I know that there's so much public disagreement about this. Some people totally think it makes complete sense for him to still be at all the events. Some people think that it's insane to even think that, like we would never think that about, you know, Kanye, for example. Whatever, I, I think it's fine, whatever opinion you have on that. To me, it's like, okay, well, what if Scott meets someone that he gets married to, right? And he's really serious with, then does it make sense that he's at the events? Then does that take the one point of the argument out of like, you know, it's so hard for him because he's still in love with Courtney. Like if he's married to someone else and then he just becomes part of this greater, larger, you know, family that already has all of these characters in it. To me, it's like, you know what I'm saying by that? I know what you're saying, I think. I think the point you're trying to make is like, if he meets somebody, he gets married and let's say they're just like so welcoming and accepting of Scott and he's part of this other family. Like, I think the thing, here's what it is. I think the reason that I feel so strongly about the Scott aspect of this and the family aspect of this is that let's say that does happen. Scott meets somebody, he's in love, he wants to marry her, he has her family. I think that when Scott is bringing her home, 
He's bringing her home to his family. He wants Chris to meet her. He wants Chloe. He wants Kim. Like that is so important to him. It doesn't just go away just because he's going to get married or he has another family to go to. And I think that's the point that he's trying to really drill home, which is like, this is my family. I don't get to have another one. And I think that one of the reasons that it's so hard for us as viewers of this, especially you and I who just spent time watching the old episodes is the evolution of the way that Scott feels about this family is just the craziest arc. I mean, he wanted nothing to do with them. It was the biggest stress in his relationship with Courtney. He constantly said in the beginning, like our relationship would be perfect if I didn't have to deal with your family. Every aspect of our relationship that's wrong is because of your family to now be in the current day. Courtney is getting married to somebody else. And Scott is sitting here begging, being like, please do not leave me out of this family. It means so much to me. You're the only people I have. How am I supposed to just be like, you know what? Scott shouldn't be invited to anything. And that's why I think that I get a lot of backlash or both of us do potentially when we say this, because people really are like, well, Scott did this, Scott did that. And I understand all of those things, but I just see like a scared boy who wants to have family. And there's no part of me that can't have the utmost sympathy for that. I think it really just hit me when you said, you know, what if he meets someone that he's really serious with? This is the family that he's going to want to bring her to. For example, Chris would be viewed as the maternal figure in his life when he's going to pick out the ring for this you know, mystery woman, Chloe is probably who he would bring. Yeah. Maybe the woman has a sister or the woman has a family member he would bring, but really this is, this is who he associates as his family. So I, I know it's not, I'm not saying it's an easy solution, but to me, if the Courtney element and him pining for Courtney can be removed from it, she is so happy. She is so in love. And if she doesn't feel like it's awkward because Scott still is madly in love with her and she has this happy life with Travis and he has this happy life with someone else, I actually think it's a reality that Courtney would very much consider. I just think it's hard to even come like even consider that because we're just so not there yet because up until a few months ago he was still dating women that were a ridiculous age for him it's not a reality we can consider because we've never seen it can i be brave yes obviously i know it you know it based on our dms from the time that we posted that one tweet you all know it too the oh, solution <laughs> the solution to every problem is chloe and scott sorry I said it. I'm not taking it back. It's a solution that would never fucking happen. But like, yeah, obviously it would make it would even things out a little. Chloe gets to have somebody who loves her and adores her. Scott gets to have his family. There's no issue with Courtney because she doesn't have to worry. Is he still in love with me? He's married to my sister. Uh, guys, they were soulmates from the start. It was things got crossed in the crossfires and things got screwed up and messages weren't sent correctly. They are soulmates and I will die on this hill. It would fix everything. I'll die on the hill that they're not because he's not tall enough. Chloe needs to feel like the guy that she is with, she's looking up to. You know that that's a huge thing for her. She does not feel physically attracted to Scott. It's a huge issue. I, first of all, I don't think she's <laughs> ever said that. That is bold and feels like somewhat of a projection. And I feel like, if anything, by the way, French Montana, not that tall. And by the way, maybe Courtney should give a short king a, a, a spin around the block. <laughs> I can't. 
I can't have this conversation with you. I, I can't have this takeaway from, actually, you know what? Maybe it is good to remove from the slight intensity of this episode, but no, my full stance is absolutely not. Because by the way, I love Scott as much, if not more than the next guy. The last thing we need- You don't trust need, him? <laughs> yes, I don't fucking trust him. The last thing we need for Chloe is a guy who has a history of cheating on his partner. Like that just feels like we're setting ourselves up for failure, you know? Yeah, that's that's which is like hilarious. Like, by the way, hilarious scenario. Like, you know how deep in you have to go to realize the point that Scott is actually not good enough for Chloe because of his history with Courtney. Like, fuck me all the way up. That is just wild. I, you're you're right. I had that thought too. But I will say because everybody who's listening didn't get to see our DMs when we posted that tweet that was like. What if Scott is Chloe's soulmate and we posted it like circling the amount of retweets it had because clearly so many people agreed. Our DMs were flooded, flooded with people being like, I've always said this. I've always thought this. I really think so. Like very, very, very few, if any people were like, that's disgusting. How'd you even get there? Uh, the, The internet agrees. TikTok agrees. Like we're all on board with the fact that like, in a hypothetical scenario, not in this world, in another life, that's what would have been right. Well, in a hypothetical scenario, yes, because it just, it fixes all of the problems. Scott stays in the family, but that's really the only problem. <laughs> that's really the only problem that it fixes. It well, doesn't- if he stayed loyal to Chloe, it would absolutely fix that problem. And I yeah. do think he would be, I, I don't know. I don't I, trust okay. him, but I do trust we're, him. We're moving on. Okay. I before obviously we'll end with the hike, but I want to talk about the egg retrieval office because talk about content. Talk about raw. Well, not really raw, but yes, raw actually. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. listen, I know clearly we're hyper fixated on the sexual element when she like makes the cameras go away because she's about to like jerk them off. But that aside, I mean, she is going into the office to see to the, for the moment to see if like she has a follicle that works and if this is going to be a reality for them. I mean, that is intimate. It was really intimate. Like them laying in the back of the tour bus and they're in their matching skeleton onesies, not to take away from the seriousness of the moment. And they're like just holding each other and talking about how lucky they feel to even be at this stage of the process. Like, oh my God. And then like, them in the ultrasound and Travis holding her hand and talking about how lucky he feels like, oh my God. And then on top of that, you have them sitting and Courtney asking if she's able to go into the room with him when he is going to literally, what I thought was going to be him just jerking off into a cup because like my entire frame of reference of like movies and TV shows is like, oh, you just go into the room and there's porn in there. No, Courtney asked to go in with him, asked if she can go in. And then on top of that, you have them literally in the room and Courtney's like, well, can I use my saliva? Am I allowed to use his saliva? Oh, if he comes into the condom, we just put it right in the cup. I shouldn't empty it out. Like, are you kidding me that we got that? Is it my birthday? Am I dying? Getting to see the logistics of the way that Courtney was about to make him come and to make sure, by the way, that it was all kosher with the fertility staff, like- Never in my wildest dreams did I think that we were going to get that. And by the way, I think it's more surprising that they removed the cameras for that than it was that we got to see the Penelope FaceTime. You know what I mean? Like to me, they, they basically show that. What what are they doing so much that we haven't already seen on Instagram, you know? The only reason the cameras got kicked out is because this is technically a Disney production. Right. Like if it wasn't, I think we would have seen if oh my God, when she when they when the nurse handed her 
the little lube thing. Like, by the way, I know we do a lot of POVs, but POV, you are that nurse. Like POV, you're the nurse that hands Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker the lube that she's about to jerk him off with in their matching skeleton onesies. POV, you're the nurse setting the mood lighting. She was like half lowering the shades for them. Like she kept them a little bit open. It wasn't like, let me give you some privacy. It was like, she was, <laughs> Courtney was like, and we're just going to do it right in here. She's like, yeah, let me just set it up for you. And she like gave them a little bit of mood lighting. No, like she just set the ambiance so that Travis Barker could come properly. You realize I, that? Like th- talk about something that goes on the fucking resume. I thought she was going to start lighting candles for them. I'm shocked she didn't. I'm sh- I know, you know, she had that Sonos going. What do you think was playing? Probably Travis. I can't I, like li- highlight just ever. And, and I know, I obviously know the moment here was the fact that they're like having a child together, hoping to like, that's so emotional and special. Like I, none of that is lost on me, but just from the fear, pure, like viewer shock perspective. Yeah. Her getting the logistics about, I mean, I don't know. I say jerking off, but it didn't have to be, I guess you could technically give head with the condom. I don't know. There's so many thoughts. Wow, that was just, that was just That was amazing. And we haven't even gotten to Chloe and Kim on their hike yet. Okay, I got to plug in my laptop. <laughs> Hold that <laughs> thought. <laughs> A strong end here with the Kim and Chloe hike. I mean, this Kanye insight was fascinating. And keep in mind, this is now post-October 17th because she hosts SNL October 9th. Travis proposed to Courtney on October 17th. So let's say this was the next day, October 18th. That means she has not spoken to Kanye in nine or so days since SNL. But I had no idea that he got up in the middle of the monologue. So I had seen that on Not Skinny But Not Fat story, and I was really curious about it because she must have known from being there. I hadn't seen it anywhere else. So I wasn't shocked to hear it because I had had that slight insight, but I didn't know the specifics of why. And there was a part of me that I think thought that it wasn't the monologue and that it was during the peak kiss, but it was before that. I think that I felt really validated when Kim was saying, you know, not only the fact that she's been there with him for all of these speeches that she was uncomfortable. And then Chloe makes the point of not just speeches, also like very strong political stances that he's made that you were then in the middle of as his wife. But on top of that, when Kim said the thing about like, he's never not gotten exactly what he wants. And Chloe kind of endorsed that by saying like, yeah, in any category of his life. I think the reason that I felt validated by that is because something we've said a lot is that it's very clear that Kanye seems to surround himself with yes men. And Kim basically confirmed that. I felt like that was a really cathartic moment for Kim because it was really the first time we'd seen her be raw about Kanye. Every interview that we've seen her in, pre and post divorce, like, Every single time she talks about him, it's with this very conscious level of respect. And it's not that this didn't have this. Like, even while she's talking about him and even while she's kind of expressing anger about what went down, she's still very respectful of him. But I felt like this was the first time that she was able to be like, this is how I feel. Like, this is what I'm upset about. This is what he did that was wrong. Here's the shit that I feel like I've put up with. And like, I can't imagine how cathartic that was for her to finally be able to do that on camera. Right. And also the other thing is that what can't be lost in all of this is that SNL was really the catalyst for this conversation happening because that was the thing that, you know, pissed him off and that made him up and leave, which then led to her having this conversation. But I think the way that SNL was received generally, both by the public and by the media and by the other people that she offended, and it was like so positive. I think it really, you know, 
brought to the light so clearly the way that Kanye was reacting to this. Like, I guess what I mean is like, I think the whole SNL experience instilled a new sense of confidence in her to be able to even like express this anger in the way that she did. Yeah, I I think that him getting up was really jarring for her. I think that was a moment of like, you came here to support me. You did all of this stuff for me with the full knowledge that there were boundaries set beforehand. Like you made it somewhat clear that like this was something that you were doing just to be helpful and good and a good partner. And we were in a really good place. And after eight months of not talking, we finally got here. And you say one thing that upsets you and you storm off in my moment, embarrass me after all I've done for you. Like, I think that really finally set her off. Like it almost lit a fire that she needed under her ass to be able to really move on with things. But what was so interesting also, and that I really appreciated about the way that she was explaining it was, it wasn't just that he was offended by being like the punchline of a joke. It was like, she explained the specific words that he was upset by. Like, he didn't like that she said divorce. He thought she should have said filed for divorce. He didn't like that she called him a rapper. He's like, I'm so much more than a rapper, which by the way, she literally said in her monologue. So it was so interesting, I think also, that it wasn't just this reaction that he had of like, wow, I, I come here to help you and you you pick on me. It was like, I didn't use the specific word choice that you would have chosen and that's what you're mad at me about. Right. And the fact that she explained it so clearly was the best example maybe to date coming from her of just like his narcissism on full display. Like, do you know the level of inflated ego you have to have for that to be the bone that you're going to pick in one of the most monumental career moments of her life? It's it's right. it's like so off. I just think that it's really, really bold for somebody who comes at people um, so strongly to like not be able to have the grace when clearly the quote attack is so playful and honestly not at all about him. Like it was about her. Totally. And it's fascinating to have this insight of what he was actually upset about having nothing to do with Pete. And then on top of that, it's taking a situation where we know he's already upset. He was already set off. They haven't spoken since then. And then the Pete element gets added. Right. I mean, think about it. It's not even like the Pete element could have been a factor for him. It wasn't like they had been hanging out a lot before SNL. This, you know, this is one of the first times that she even met the guy. So even if that things had started developing, like I know we never got the full timeline, but even if it started developing that week or the week after, Kanye would have never known about that while when he left. It was just really upsetting. Like I was saddened and I guess I was disappointed because like we were have been saying the last few weeks, one thing about them is even in the midst of their personal issues, they've always respected each other's careers. And this just felt like disrespectful to her career. Absolutely. A quick shift from Kanye to Pete though. We're at about a week since SNL when we're watching this episode. Do you think they've started texting at this point or do you think this is the type of timeline and information that we're going to be getting where if they were talking we would know it. No, I don't think that we would have known it if they were talking at this time because like, you know, when it started, Kim didn't know what it was about to happen and it's not like her. I mean, think about it. If this wasn't Pete, like if this was just some other guy that she was talking to, she would have never revealed that identity so soon in. So I think that there's no world in which like two weeks after SNL, maybe in her confessional since it's filmed after the fact, she'd say it. But I don't think we would have gotten a scene where she's actively texting him because like that would never happen, you know? The thing I was thinking of was more so like maybe she says it to Chloe while they're walking and it wasn't shown in this episode because they're waiting to kind of explain it 
when the episode about it comes out. But the thought that I had in my head was like them walking and Kim saying to Chloe, like, so I did it. I texted Peter, like, you know, we've kind of been talking a little bit, like not so much as like setting the scene of a plot of like, oh, here's this guy that I'm talking to. Like, I want to make this a thing on the show because it's serious. And like, that's not what I was thinking more. So like, you know, they were walking. He's like, so the update, by the way, is like, I have been texting him a little bit. Oh, I, I, I would, I would literally just die. Like, I just got chills as you said that. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope so. Oh my God, are you kidding? I hope so. I just wouldn't be surprised if we, I don't, I don't know. You know what? At this point, what the fuck? I don't really, I really do not know. But we'll have to see next week. I mean, the preview for next week was amazing because we got to see when she's getting ready for Simon's uh, rehearsals in her the night before the wedding when she's saying like, I'm struggling in terms of finding out what my fashion is because Connie had such a role in that. Oh, so that's a good point that she's getting ready for the rehearsal dinner in that scene because Kim and Pete were together or just together when the wedding was. Because I remember you and I saying like, what the fuck would you do if he was there? I mean, technically, I guess in that scene, she could be, no, she has to because it was in November. No, I was going to say it could have just been like a fitting, but it wasn't because the wedding was in November. I mean, I will never forget sitting at a, sitting there and she walked in in that outfit. Oh, okay. So <laughs> where, what is even going on? This is, I don't know how long the episode will end up actually being, but we've been recording now for two hours and 10 minutes. You know what? I have to say. I feel short for what we could have done. <laughs> this could have been six, easily six. I I know. Like, I'm glad that we have some ounce of self-control, but there was so much in the episode. That's what I'm saying. Like, based on just recording time alone, like, yeah, this was the best fucking episode so far. No, I know. I mean, I guess, I don't know. We'll see whenever this comes out, but I, I hope we get it up today. I just think realistically, there's, there's probably no way because to get even through two rounds of editing, that's like, at least four hours, but we'll see. We'll see if it's possible, if our producer can go a little longer. If not, I'll go up in the morning. So I guess you'll see when it, this goes up, if we were able to. Also, I would rather it go up a little bit later and not stop ourselves from saying everything that we're thinking and discussing every single aspect of it. Like I would no. so much rather this episode be two hours than have it be shortened for the sake of getting it up. I feel like other people would as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess with like the logistical cuts, at least 30 minutes of just like I don't know whatever we'll see no reason to have this conversation right now okay we love you guys so much we'll see you next week and this was the best thing ever I'm so happy we're back thank you for letting us do this so I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life like generally speaking there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up but specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.